those that receive prayers, anyone had, apart from Steve that left his walking stick there, which is really cool, I could find a use for that with the boys. Um, did I say that out loud? Really, I shouldn't always speak what I think, should I? <laughs> for those that really know, people say, no, you shouldn't really. You should. After all this time, you could have learnt by now. Um, for those that received prayers, anyone had a significant shift or change? Yep. You couldn't... Oh, really? Yeah, come on. Yeah, come on. All right. Awesome. Anybody else? I don't know everyone that got prayer. Anybody? Change, shift. If you feel something move, let us know. Let the church know. It builds faith, yeah? And sometimes for those of us receiving prayer, it helps us to believe a bit more, you know? You know, when you've got financial troubles, you don't know where the dollar's going to come from. And then you speak to someone who had the same financial troubles and all of a sudden something just worked out for them. So you can just believe that God can do it for you too because he's done it for someone else. Amen? So let's keep praying. Let's keep believing. You know, I, I so love, like it's just a, a ripper, you know, verse of the day from you version. that he's given us the right, <laughs> the right, given us the right to become his children. That's so good, you know, right? Like, oh, yeah, look, I'm going to give you the right to be my, my child. It's how good I am. This is your right. Claim it, grab it, take hold of it, own it, you know. Anyway, I love it too because I, I want to try to continue and finish the thought that we're, I've been playing with over the last few weeks that we're children of God. And I really just love what God's been showing me, teaching me really, um, illuminating, revealing, a lot of it for me is, uh, I think, some. it's not just fresh, fresh stuff. It's, it's new revelation, really. You know, I, more and more I'm coming to totally understand and accept that everything about the gospel is family. Everything that we read in this book is, is, is family. It's all God's plan from the beginning right to the end. It's all about right relationship. Yeah, We have the right to be children. He makes the relationship right and he invites us into his family. The language that he uses over and over again is all language that's family focused. And so as God keeps unpacking this stuff that we are his children and what it's like to be childlike then, I just I can see it more and more. It just makes more sense to me, you know? Just makes more sense to me. So let's pray in the hope that it may make sense to someone else other than me. So Father, have your way today particularly in the heat, in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep the northerly breeze for the northern suburbs of Melbourne and let us have a nice fresh breeze here. Amen. Yeah, who, who likes a northerly breeze? No one ever. No one. I wonder whether God did that just to say, ha ha. <laughs> you know, like, why, why, why do we have a northerly breeze that's hot? It's like, anyone got an answer? No, I don't think they want it either. No, no. Yeah. Why, why, do, why do the people in Western Australia get the Fremantle doctor and we don't? Because there's no Fremantle here, I guess. Make us grateful that we. Yeah, I'll go with that until winter comes. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is the last Sunday of January. So let's see if we can unpack the last of this. Where is children? And I'm just going to quickly rehash off a, uh, over a couple of scriptures just in the off chance that there is uh, one or two people that weren't or haven't been here over the last few weeks. 
But as we all know, Jesus himself tells, tells us, I think, really clearly that we're supposed to be like a child. So Matthew 18.3 was one of the scriptures we looked at. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. I love that. You will never, unless you become a child, for all you grown-ups out there, for all you really super serious grown-ups, unless you become, some versions say changed, some versions say converted into like a child, it says you will never, not possibly Sunday afternoon, not Monday, not on Tuesdays, not on this side of the blue earth, you will never, unless you become a child, you will never. So you know what? Breathe, relax. Sometimes it's okay to be childlike, yeah? It's just okay to be childlike. Not childish. Let me throw that in there. <laughs> and I like Luke eighteen sixteen. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to adults, to mature people. Belongs to such as these, yeah? To children. So... He's telling us, for me, he's telling us that you and I are supposed to be children, children of God. And so the premise over the last couple of weeks for me has been really simple. If I'm supposed to become like a child and you're reading the same passages of Scripture that I'm reading, that suggests that you're supposed to become like a child. And so, in essence, when I look to you, I should see a child, a child of God. Yeah? And as a child child of God, children have needs. We know that, particularly parents, we know that. Children have needs. They have needs to be loved and nurtured and cared for and encouraged and valued. Needs. So if I see Sandy as a child of God, then I automatically know that as a child, a child has needs to be loved and encouraged and nurtured, etc., so when I look to Sandy as a child of God, I know that she needs to be loved and encouraged and nurtured, valued, etc. In the same breath as you look to me as a child, and it's easier to look as, at some people as children. I, I'll give you that, right? So when you look to me as a child, you'll know that I need, like any other child, to be loved and nurtured and cared for and valued, encouraged, etc. Yeah, is that okay? Because so often... We, we, we look at these passages of Scripture about becoming like a little child and we grab hold of childlike faith, but we never grab hold of what it is to be a child. Because when Paul tells us later to cast off and put off childish things, he's not telling you not to be a child. He's just telling, telling you to pull off, put off childish things. But sometimes we throw the baby out with the bathwater, yeah? So... Let's continue there for a minute because I really believe that if we want to grow as a family here at Mount Clear Church of Christ, but I think just Christianity full stop, we need to position ourselves and if we want to position ourselves for all he wants to do, and this is going to be a year of awakening and an awakening in our spirits, yeah? And we need to just understand some things and maybe tweak some of our thinking, you know? And one of those things is to acknowledge that, that we're all children, his children, and that we all have needs. So let's bring it home a bit closer. You have needs. No, I don't, Pastor. I'm good. I walk with the Lord for 56 years. And I've been praying. I've been to church. I'm good. I don't have any needs. I oh, know. You do. Trust me. 
Whether you've been a Christian for one day, whether you've been a Christian for 25 years or for 50 years or for 75 years, as a child of God, you have needs. Yeah? We need to acknowledge that. that it's, yes, it's for the person that we're looking to, but it's you too because it gives you, gives me, gives us permission to accept what God wants to do in our lives through other people. Yeah? If we're his hands and his feet extended, he wants to touch you and reach you and bless you through those that are around you. But unless you acknowledge that you have some stuff yeah, that you need, you're never going to accept what people want to give. Yeah? I'm quite happy accepting money from my mum. I need money. She gives me money. I'm good with that. Some people go, oh, no, mum, dad, I don't need money. I'm not one of those people. Ever. One of those people. But that's another story, I guess. And I reckon that's, that's Father God, that's Papa's ideal for family. That's how he wants it to work. And I, and I believe that's what we've been looking at the last couple of weeks, what it's like to be a child. And so here's a couple of things that I just want to run through quickly just to, to round this stuff off in being a child. I, I've realised something in looking at my children and knowing me, getting to know me, that children, children actually have needs. And one of those needs is others. Children need others. You ever leave a child alone in a room? Or, you know, they, you're out of their eyesight when you're at a shopping centre or something like that and, and watch their reaction? Ch- children actually need others. One, they need others to teach them, to feed them, to love them, to carry them, wash them, change them. They, they need others. They need to learn how to how to walk, they need to learn how to talk, they need to learn how to feed themselves because I don't know about any of you parents or grandparents, but I really don't want to feed my children past the age of three or four weeks. You know, like, really, could you imagine feeding your 36-year-old son? No, you don't want to do that, do you? They, children need to learn stuff, don't they, as they grow, yeah? Need to teach them how to do shoelaces. Like Velcro only goes to size seven. After that, you need laces. We need to teach them how to deal with each other. And, and I've realised more and more, because of the mistakes that I've made legitimately, that, that they learn these things, most and a lot of these things, by watching us. You know, they watch us. They, they listen to us, they watch us. You know, they're just saying, oh, right, let's see what mum and dad do. Let's see what these people around me do. And so they watch us and then they try to copy us. And then if we're actually switched on, we'll help them to copy us for the very thing that they were watching us do. Really, we're teaching them. It's a lot like Jesus, really, the whole process. It's a lot like Jesus. John 5.19 says this. So Jesus explained, I'll tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only when he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. I also love this because the Bible tells us that you and I are being transformed into the image of Jesus with ever-increasing glory. Excuse the mic that keeps falling. Um, it says that we're being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. So if Jesus himself utters the words, I can only do what I see my father doing, then in essence, there's something in that for us. 
that we've got to learn from, yeah? Jesus himself says he can do nothing by himself. The fact is that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, all three of them are one, yeah? They're one. They're Really, they're inseparable. They have different tasks, but they are one being, yeah? And so Jesus watches the Father to learn what he needs to do, and then he copies, like children copy us. It makes a lot of sense when you think about it when he says he can do nothing by himself. I really like that because I actually think that he's trying to teach us children, the children that we're supposed to become, the children of God. I actually think he's trying to teach us something, yeah? I think he's trying to teach us a lesson that needs to be learnt but a lesson that needs to be lived. So what's the Bible say in Matthew 18, 20? It says, For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Two or three. Notice it doesn't say where one believer is. It doesn't say where one of you is. There I am in the midst of you. It doesn't say that. Yes, it's true that he lives inside you. Yes, it's true that he rests upon you for a task. But yes, it's true where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst of them. It's very specific that he, when he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. He does nothing by himself. He's not just watching. He's actually connected to the Father. So when he goes to do it, the Father's with him. Yeah, Almost like us taking our kids out to do something. I love this because this is even better still because there's something for us to learn here. Matthew 6, verse 7 to 9. Calling the 12 to him, he began to send them out two by two. He began to send them out two by two. See, as his children, we need others. Yeah, you've got to get this. As his children, we need... I don't have to go to church. I'm a Christian. I'm okay at home. Ba-bow. Sorry. doesn't work for me. Because children actually need others, yeah? They need others to love them, to care for them, to encourage them, to teach them how to walk, to be able to watch and to see what others are doing, yeah? Everything about God's plan and purpose is family, it's relationship, it's together. See, you and I are created to help each other. Yeah. I know some of you are thinking, do I really have to help you? Are you flat, are you flat out serious? Yep, you do. Which in turn means I need to help you. And that person that you don't like that lives that sits down the back of the church, you gotta, yep, you gotta, you gotta help them too. And the person that's on the right side and the left side, the middle side, upside, upside, downside, mother's room, kids' room, yep, you gotta help them too. We're made to help each other. You've got to get it. We're made to help each other. It's it's where the church has so often fallen down that people will go, I'll help you and you and you, but you and you. Definitely not you. Yeah, people have made choices based on their likes rather than understanding that we are to become children, children of God. And as children of God, we learn to love each other even when we disagree. We were created to help each other. We need each other. Otherwise, we're alone. And like I said earlier, kids don't like to be left alone. Let me go back to what I said, that children need others. 
A, a child just can't do things on their own. They just can't. You know, we've, we've talked about it. We've unpacked it. We've looked at it. They need help. And you and I are children, children of God that need help. And I, I am repeating that because so many of us are really good at helping one another. Not many of us are good at receiving the help that we need from others. Yeah? You understand? We're really good to be there for everybody else. But let me say this. The best you for everybody else is the best you. Yeah? And if you can't receive help from those that are around you, you'll never be the best you. And so you'll never be the best you for the people that you want to help. And your good intentions are intentions that never come to fruition. Because there's this process that God has in place. We need help and we need to help each other so others can watch, see and learn themselves. You know, so when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put, the way, the way, put away the childhood, you know, the childhood behind me. Excuse my reading of that. Was, I just mashed that terribly. When he says to put off childish things, what he's saying is think about what you're going to do. Think about how you're going to act. Think about what you're going to say. Think about those things. Why? It's a really good question. I'm really glad so many of you asked that. Because children, the children of God, yeah, are watching. Full stop. Put off the childish things. But why? I like acting like this. Well, because, you know, God's children are watching. And they're going to learn from you. Two weeks ago when I sang, I still didn't get a part in the worship team. Anyway. When I sang, what about me? It isn't fair. You know, do you remember? Like, I, thought, I did really well. I really thought I kept the, the, the tune there, the melody. But anyway, it's, I'm just putting it out there, you know. It might be recorded. You could listen to it. No, yep. I keep trying, for those that don't know, to get onto the worship team. And it, I'm a slight, is it, is it, I've just not, there's no breakthrough there for me. Something to do with the, my voice. I'm tone deaf or something. Anyway, I'll keep trying, but I'll make it one day. They're watching. People are watching what, what you do. They're watching the way that you act. They're watching what you say. When you come into family, I've learned this about family. The best families are the ones where it's never about you. It's always about everybody else. You know, you go, you go to a, a, a relative's home and from the moment, this, this just might be my, my story. And so if you've never lived this, my apologies that you don't have an Italian heritage, yeah? But from the moment that you walk into an Italian home with aunties and uncles, they're feeding you, they're giving you drink, they're loving on you, they're giving you stuff to take home. Do you need some food? Do you need this? Do you need that? Oh, what would you like to drink? I haven't even sat down yet, you know? It's just what they're like. Ethnics are just like that. I grew up in the western suburbs of Melbourne. Wogs are just like that, yeah? That's just what my family was like, yeah? This and that, for me, is a picture of God's heart for us. It's never about us. So as children of God, yes, there are things that we need and we need to acknowledge that so we can receive that. But when Paul's saying, put off the childish things, he's saying because, hey guys, don't forget everybody else. They're watching you. It's not just about you. It's about the rest of the family as well. Yeah? 
That's why the scripture says in Matthew 18, verse 6, it says, But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. I love that. Does anyone sort of have pictures when they're reading? You know, their imagination runs wild. Do you imagine, you know, like a millstone being tied around your neck and being thrown into the ocean off St Kilda Pier, you know, and it's just dragging you to the bottom and you can't get to the top and then you're drowning? No one ever pictures that when they read this? No, Port Melbourne Beach, Altona Beach. No, Altona's not deep enough. You probably get caught in the seaweed. One of the beaches. Like you read that, it's like if you cause one of these, that's how bad it is if you call the child of God. You notice it says here, one of these little ones. It doesn't say one of my mature followers because he asks us to become his children that put off childish things. That's where our maturity lies. So he's saying, better that you act in a way that does not cause one of these children of mine to falter. Yeah, It's so important to God. It's so important to him, his children. You and I are so important. Watch what you do. Be careful what you say. There are children who need to learn. They need to learn how to walk and talk and eat and crawl. They're watching you and how you do it. It's family. It's the family of God. And, and the way Papa has loved us, he has loved us so much that he has wired it into us that each and every one of us has a need for others. It's inside of you. There's moments where you're at home and you're lonely. You know, that's so, so, they're some of the longest five minutes of my life. I'm extremely extroverted, yeah? <laughs> Those moments when you're just feeling alone, that's there because God has put in you the need for others, yeah? But where the failing comes is in the others where we haven't stepped in to fill that need. Acknowledging that your ch children that need to be loved and nurtured and cared for. It's really quite simple when you think about it. I love the thought because if that's the way that he's wired us, if that's the, what he's got planned for us in his family, that means in his family we always have babysitters. As in, there's always people to look after us. You understand what I'm saying? There's always someone to look after Joe. There's always someone to look after Luke. There's always someone to look after Jemima. There's always someone to look after Jim and, and Ross and Ali and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and everybody else that I've, I've forgotten to mention, yeah? There's always someone to look after you because as children of God, acknowledging that we have needs, we understand the needs of others, and so we put off the childish things and we go and we fulfill the needs of others. It's really simple, isn't it? Like only if it would work like that all the time. But you and I can make a choice to make a difference, yeah? In everything you do, be like Jesus, knowing that we're becoming more like him, knowing that, that we are his hands and his feet extending, knowing that his children need to learn and so they're watching us. They're watching what we do all the time. For those that have been a Christian even for five minutes, you ever had someone say, can you do that? I thought you were a Christian. Oh, can you speak like that? I thought you were a Christian. <gasps> and you call yourself a Christian. Oh, really? Step outside, I'll show you some more. <laughs> like, 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 hello. 
You know, they have this preconceived idea of what we're supposed to be like. I'll tell you what we're supposed to be like. We're supposed to love one another. Yeah? We're supposed to acknowledge, acknowledge the needs of those that are around us so that we can fill those needs, knowing that the people around us will acknowledge my needs, our needs, and fulfill those. Amen? You know, Galatians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, yeah, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We're just not equipped to do things by ourselves. We're equipped to do things for those that are around us. And when we're doing things for those around us, they're doing things for us. So whatever you do in word or deed, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. Yeah. Because his children, the person sitting beside you, behind you, in front of you, they're watching you. Yeah. They're watching. They're watching how you speak and what you say. This is God's plan for us in family. It's important to him. First Timothy in chapter 4 verse 16 says, Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. I love this. This is so good, right? Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. If, if we understand the influence we can have on others, then you and I in becoming more like Jesus would only do what we see the Father doing. Now, how do we see our Father doing it? We see him in those around us, those that have put off childish things. That's when we see it. Our mentors, our coaches, our pastors, especially each other, that's when we see it. You know, I love this passage because it's often, for me, it's often taken out of context. But Proverbs 18.21, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Now, in line, in line... Some of you think you talk a lot. Now, in line with 1 Timothy chapter 4, I understand how this works because 1 Timothy chapter 4 says, keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. You know, that's through your action and through your speech because it's saying, stay true to what's right for your own salvation, but the salvation for those who hear you because they're watching and they're listening. Yeah. And so when we jump, jump to that scripture saying that our, the tongue can, can bring life or death, so many people un, misunderstand the passage. You know, they're thinking, well, we've got the power of life and death, yet I've never seen anyone speak to a patch of dirt and say, grow tomato where they've not planted a seed and watched it grow. I've never seen that happen, yeah? I've seen people talk to plants that they've planted, talk to vegetables that they've planted, but I've never... It says life or death, Yeah? I should be able to go to the carpet here. Tomato, you grow from that carpet now in Jesus' name. Yeah? I know people who go to the doctor, like Nick's at the doctor's, right? They've taken a blood test and the blood has shown that there's an issue with the heart. It could be damaged. That is fact, right? That is fact. Now, this, we don't live in fact. We're Christians. We live in truth. So we acknowledge the fact Okay, you've done a blood test. That's fact. But we're not going to live in the fact. We're going to live in the truth that you're a healer, that you desire to restore the heart that they're telling us isn't right. That's life and death. Acknowledging something isn't speaking death over your life. Let me put that. That is so misconstrued and misunderstood. The way it works is what you speak. Speak over people's hearts. 
over people's lives. They may have said this, but I'm going to speak life right now. That's fact, but I'm going to live in truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life, yeah? So we speak death or life over others, others that are listening. That's why it has an effect on their salvation and ours. That's life and death. Others are watching. They're, they're children, God's children that need help, need to be led. They need our example. That's how much power we have in our tongue. And so when we speak to the children of God, God's children, that's all of us, as God's children, we speak life. We don't speak death. You know, I've, I've noticed too that children can't fight for themselves. There's an outstanding quote. Some of you may know this. From a, a, a very famous woman. Her name's Wonder Woman. And in the movie, she says, I'm willing to go fight for those that cannot fight for themselves. Yeah. She must be real with a quote like that. I'm willing to go fight for those that cannot fight for themselves. So as children ourselves... We need others to be there to fight for us. You know, and as children that have put off childish things, we understand that others need us to fight for them when they can't. Are you understanding? So when you get to the, a passage of Scripture like John 13, 14, that says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, watch this, yeah? You also wash one another's feet. Now this is a great passage, and we often use this passage to, to teach about service and what we're supposed to do. But you've got to remember, he's washing the disciples' feet. We use, we use this passage to encourage Christians to serve in the house and to serve people out there. He's washing the disciples' feet. He's washing other children's feet. Yeah. Now, this for me is an example that the Lord's given us because if we're going to be like him, we need to do what he does and we need to understand what he's saying. So... They're washing the feet because the feet are dirty. Is that okay? That's what's physically happening. Yeah, go with me here really quickly because I want to wind this, this baby up and land this plane. And it's our feet that take us to places. It's our feet that take us to where we should go and where we shouldn't go. What we should do and what we shouldn't do. Yeah. So in this example, when Jesus starts washing the feet, it's a picture, an analogy of struggle. It's an analogy of, of sin. Yeah. It's an analogy of temptation. And so you, we know that the feet, I don't even want to get into the scriptures, but the feet, our feet are actually fitted with the gospel. Our feet are fitted with peace. But in this picture, he's washing dirty feet. There's a reason for it. What he's saying and what he's, what he's saying by what he's showing. Because I only see what the Father does. So we're only going to do what we see the Father do, what we see him doing. This is, he's giving us a physical clue what to do. His actions are saying this. Get alongside the other children that are struggling. Come alongside them. Carry their burdens with them. Help them walk the right way, the right path. Shoulder the stuff that they're struggling with. Fight for those that can't fight for themselves. They're only children, my, my children. Paul says, put off childish things. I'll show you childish things. Check out the dirty feet. I wonder where they've been. I wonder what they've been doing. Mate, they're really dirty. Can you... 
Can you see the difference? So as a child of God, we come alongside each other, even if we're struggling. And the idea is that I come and I get my hands dirty to wash your feet. Because you need me and I need you. We need to be in a place where we can fight for each other, yeah? I mean, I love that. I, I so love that. You know, there's a, not a story, it's, it's my son's. And um, there was a particular kid at school that was picking on Samuel. And um, the kid himself is always in trouble. This particular boy is always in trouble. And uh, I, I, I guess he's not as learned as some, as, as some of the others within his class. And he used to pick on Samuel and call him names. And so I'm sure Samuel called him names back and stuff. Um, but it got to a point where he started to become violent. So Samuel would just go and play with his mates and the kid would follow him and all that sort of jazz. And it happened over multiple days, you know, teachers involved and parents and stuff. And I would say to Samuel, Samuel, when he's hitting you or goes to hit you, why don't you just whack him? I've I, I got a really simple philosophy. If someone hits my boys, go and tell a teacher. If you feel like you're in danger, you hit back and you make sure they don't do it again. Fend for yourself. You know, I'm, for those of you that think that's wrong, my apologies. But I did say go to the teacher first, and if that doesn't work, you get in there and you crack one hard, yeah? Now, put that aside, forgive me later, okay? Yeah? That, I'm just going to put that down to my Italian heritage growing up in the western suburbs, yeah? If someone's trying to break into my car, I'm going to call the police. If that doesn't work, I figure I'm going to stop them myself, I'm just saying, right? Anyway, let's keep moving with the story before I get into real trouble. Now... Samuel's telling us the story at home, that school's rung and all that sort of stuff. Now his brother, his brother. See, Romans 12.10 says, be devoted to one another in love. Nathan's smaller, younger, they're always fighting, they're super competitive. But when Nathan heard that someone was hitting Samuel, Nathan said to Mel and I, he goes, who is he? Who is he? Samuel, show me. Samuel goes, don't be stupid, Nathan. He goes, show me. Nathan, he's taller than you. He goes, show me. He goes, I'll go, I'll whack him. I goes, I'll teach him for hitting you. He goes, just show me. I'll go bash him up. Right? This is my, my 10, 10 year old now. This is like a year ago. Show me. I'll go, I'll do it. I'll take care of it. He was totally devoted. Yeah. You got to get this. Totally devoted to protecting his brother. Totally devoted to protecting his brother. Catch this. Devotion. Devoted means loyal, faithful, true, steadfast, committed, dedicated, focused on one particular thing. You and I are supposed to be devoted, the Bible tells us, in Romans, yeah? Devoted to one another in love, yeah? Devoted to one another in love. The only time we're going to be able to be dedicated and focused on one particular thing, that would be you. One particular thing would be you. One particular thing would be you. One particular thing would be you, yeah? The only time we'll do that is when we acknowledge the fact that in the same way that I'm a child, they're a child. And as a child, they have needs. Those needs are, one, they need others, and two, they need someone to fight for them. And so I'm going to stand in the gap. That, for me, is God's ideal for church life, full stop. A people that look after each other, people that love each other, people that stand in the gap for each other, the people that go to battle for each other, the people that put on the Wonder Woman outfit and stand there looking great, that wouldn't be me, that stand there looking great and saying, you know what? I choose, she says, I choose to go and fight for those that cannot fight for themselves. That's children looking after children, acknowledging they have needs, knowing that they have their needs, trusting in the Father to bring other children along to look after them. Yeah? And the process works like this. No one ever cries, what about me? 
because they're loving on somebody else. And the father is so good, he's getting somebody else to love after them. And at the same time, someone's being protected, etc., etc., etc. Yeah? So why don't we stand? It would be a good thing. What is it? What is it? Oh, I thought it was a huntsman. But then I would have needed someone to stand in the gap and fight for me. <laughs> Church, we need to be like my son Nathan, completely devoted to one another. And for the men here, I'm sorry, there is a feminine side of God. And so like Wonder Woman, we need to be able to utter the words, I choose to fight for those that cannot fight for themselves. We need to be ready to wash people's feet, not point to where the dirt is, not talk about where the dirt came from, but to wash feet, to carry burdens, to speak life, knowing that children, his children, are watching. And that's all of us, by the way, all of the time. So I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to suggest this. Let's, in 2018, let's really grab hold of that understanding of what it is to be a child and to be childlike and what it's like for others to be childlike and what their needs are. And let's position ourselves ready to receive all the blessings that Father God has for us this year. Amen. Looks like Wonder Woman. Probably not. I know that's not, it's not, you know, but. Really? We'll get, I'll pray and then you can share that. Father, we just thank you for this time together. And Lord, I just pray that we would truly understand what it's like to be your child. But Father, acknowledging that we are children who have needs, needs that are met by you, knowing that we are your hands and feet extended, and so you're going to use others to meet those needs. Father, I thank you that we can love on one another, we can encourage one another, we can carry the burdens of each other, we can come alongside, Father, we can be there to help and to teach through our words, through our actions, Father. Lord, through our speech, I thank you, Lord God, that in all that we do, we know that there are others around us that are watching, that are learning, and we pray, God, that we would be the ones that would be a great example. And in the same breath, we pray that as we look to others, they would be a great example for us. And I pray as a church family that we would continue to go from strength to strength and glory to glory as children of the living God. You're a wonderful God. We give you all glory and all honour. And everyone in the house said... Amen. Grace, if I find a microphone, did you want to quickly share before people disappear what um, your thought was with that painting? So last week's was an ox and it was about persistence. And then on prayer meeting the other night, I got this thing about an angel, woman, female. Like we perceive it as a female. Young female is actually not real strong. So anyway... um, I see her, I thought she was an angel, then Andrew's praying about warrior and fighting and warfare. And that's what I'd sensed out of, out, so there's a progression happening, I think. One of them was the ox last week, was about persistence and hold on and have strength and courage. She's also about persistence and courage and strength, but from a different point of view. Um, there's more to it, but I haven't got it yet. Sounds like a wonder woman. Anyway, that's my take on it. God bless you. Have some wonderful coffee. Drink tea if you must. Enjoy the heat in Jesus' name. Amen.